Hello and welcome to Becoming Educated, the podcast that aims to discover the secrets to great teaching. I'm Darren Leslie. This week, I am joined by Harry Hudson. Harry is a history teacher at the West London Free School in Hammersmith, West London. He's also a freelance writer and has written for a range of publications, including The Times, The Telegraph and The Spectator. In this week's episode, Harry and I discuss the following and so much more. Why teaching has an image problem. Why money could be an issue in getting good people into teaching. Why the fact that everyone has been to school contributes to the image problem of teaching. How the explosion of awareness of cognitive science has enhanced the profession. What the many positives of being a teacher actually are. And how we can change the image of teaching through opening our doors and sharing our bright spots with the public. This was a fascinating discussion with Harry, and and I believe it has kick-started a discussion into how we can really change the image of our most wonderful profession. So, let's dive right in to my conversation with Harry Hudson. Harry Hudson, thank you so much for coming on to Becoming Educated. How are you this evening? Very well. Uh, thank you, Darren. Yeah, uh, good day at school. So um, I'm looking forward to doing this now, yeah. That's brilliant. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about um, your latest book, uh, co-written with uh, Roy Blatchford, uh, Must Do Better, How to Improve the Image of Teaching and Why It Matters. I'm really excited for this discussion because you bring up some really, really excellent points in the book. But before we do that, Harry, can you share a little bit about yourself and your career to date, please? Yeah, so um, uh, as you say, I'm uh, a teacher now working at uh, West London Free School, uh, which is in Hammersmith in, in obviously West London. Uh, I'm a history teacher. Um, my degree is actually in classics, um, but but when I trained, I, I, I did a bit of maths, actually, uh, Darren, close, close to your own heart, I know, but, but now I'm uh, mainly in history. Um, I, I started my career in schools actually as a TA with children with SEN. So I worked for two years, a uh, big comprehensive in Oxford, um, with, with children across the age range with SEN. Uh, and I saw lots of great teaching actually while I was doing that. And that was kind of honestly, that was the best, best training I, I could want really for, for joining the profession. So I then trained, uh, I did a salaried skit, uh, route with the Oxford, Oxfordshire, uh, skit. Um, I taught a bit in Oxford and now um, I'm in London, um, yeah, teaching uh, 11 to 18 uh, in London. Brilliant, I'd say from both sides. It must have been so fascinating being a, a teaching assistant, especially with the, the students with um, SEN. How did, you, how did you find that being at that side now that you're at the front? Oh, I mean, honestly, to, to people sort of entering the profession now, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. It, it's invaluable experience, it really is. Not only because obviously you see five lessons a day, six lessons a day, whatever, um, you see different teachers, you see what works and, and you see what doesn't. Um, but also you kind of get the, the child's eye perspective of, of the classroom. And in particular, obviously, the perspective of, of the kids with SEN, the kids who find accessing the lessons the hardest. So it really is, uh, it's it's an eye opener in so many ways. Um, and yeah, I loved it. And, and that, as I say, that was what convinced me really that the schools were, were the place for me. Right. I, I've, I can't remember who t- had it on an earlier podcast. Somebody's mentioned that and kind of suggested that teachers should have a go at being mm. a teacher. So just to see it from that, because it must be so fascinating seeing different teachers, as you said, Completely. seeing what works and what doesn't and bringing it into your own practice, because it would have given you a really good, sharp idea of, of how to be a teacher. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, a lot of the things I do in my own practice now, I've pinched um, off, off, off many of those teachers I was in sitting in the classroom with as a TA, actually. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, thoroughly recommend it. Brian, it's this, it's really this, probably the same as my teaching. Everything I do is, is none of it's my idea. It's all kind of stolen and magpied from everyone else. Um, so we're going to discuss um, the content of your, your latest book, Must Do Better. And I want to start by asking you, Harry, why does teaching have an image problem? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a massive question that, and, and the first part of the book really is given over to to looking into the reason for that. And I suppose the first thing to say is that 
is that teaching does have an image problem, actually, and kind of acknowledge that that is the case. And what's been really interesting since, well, both since we've published the book, actually, and, and also during the, the research process and during the writing, is that the more people we talk to about this idea that teaching has an image problem, the more the people said, yes, that's, that's the case. Um, and in fact, we didn't come across anyone really who dissented from that. But the problem we did come across, actually, as we were writing is, is people saying, well, yeah, it has an image problem, but it kind of always has. And to be honest, it always will. And we came across a lot of sort of shoulder shrugging and sort of thus it ever was. And yeah, teaching has kind of got this, this image problem, but, but it's kind of, yeah, well, what can we do about it? Um, and that, that sort of motivated us really into looking into what the reasons for this are, because as you know, Darren, you can't really solve a problem in, until you know the reasons for it. Um, and the reasons are, as I say, they're sort of multifaceted, really, and a lot of them are to do with history, but a lot of them as well, actually, are to do with how modern society is structured and the place of teaching within um, within modern society, really. And and there's this kind of persistent view that teaching is just kind of it's okay, it's a bit of a fallback option, really. If your your chosen career isn't uh, isn't isn't right or doesn't work out, you just fall back on teaching. Anyone could do it. How hard can it be? Uh, it's just kind of glorified childcare. That that's that sort of line that as teachers we have all come across at some point in our careers. Um, and also this kind of sense as teachers that we need to sort of justify ourselves. Oh, I, I'm a teacher, uh, but I'm also really excited. You know, I'm a teacher. I also do other stuff. Actually, no, hang on a minute. Uh, I'm a teacher uh, and that should be enough in its own right. That, I mean, I'm a teacher and I'm proud of it. Um, so I suppose we wanted to get to that. We want ultimately to get to that state from where we are now. Um, and, and that was kind of the motivation for the book and, and where we start in the book itself. No, certainly it's interesting. I hear that so often as well. And you can uh, go for dinner and, and you say, what do you do? Oh, I'm a teacher, but yeah, there's exactly. always a but, exactly. but afterwards. And you get those kind of old sayings, like those that can do, do, and those that can't teach it. It's just such a damaging rhetoric to have because like you say, it's, it's a, such a proud thing to do to be able to teach another. And it should be, should be, um, like we should be proud of, of what we do. So I kind of fallen on from that. You, there's a fascinating little chapter in there on kind of our canon, the literature canon. Mm. So, so how is, how has literature over the years contributed to this poor image of teaching? Yeah. And this is something I think that the people often sort of don't consciously think about. But when you say it, actually they go, Hmm. Yeah. I think you've got, you've got a point there because again, when we were researching, we, we tried to kind of find uh, a, a sort of unequivocally positive portrayal of teaching or a teacher uh, in a book. And actually, we really, really struggled, to be honest. And if you think of a lot of the great kind of authors or the authors that, as a society, we really value highly, particularly Charles Dickens, and we focus a lot on Dickens, actually, in the book, because Dickens is kind of writing at the time when teaching starts to become a profession or kind of in, in its infancy as a profession. And a lot, in fact, nearly all of the teachers in Dickens, in one way or another, uh, are negatively portrayed. So you've got probably most famously Wackford Squeers in, in Nicholas Nickleby, um, kind of this evil, archetypal evil teacher. And then you've got uh, Gradgrind in, in Hard Times. And there is, there's a succession of teachers throughout Dickens who don't do the profession any favours, frankly. Um, and then also, if you look like someone like, like Jane Austen or, or Anthony Trollope, these, these kind of Victorian or, or pre-Victorian authors... Um, a lot of them have this sort of condescending view on the teacher or the tutor or the governess, as it, as it may be at the time, which is a kind of a lower role in, in society. And that has just been carried through, really, the literary canon through the 19th century into the 20th. And in many ways, it continues in the 21st century. Um, I mean, we mentioned uh, Harry Potter briefly, because um, that was kind of the closest we got, really. But even in Harry Potter, I mean, yeah, obviously Dumbledore's a positive character, McGonagall, all, all these teachers, they're positive characters. But are they really kind of positive because they're teachers? Not really. It's kind of the other stuff they do on the side. And actually, a lot of Harry Potter is spent with the character sitting in class, uh, bored out of their minds, sort of doodling or chatting. So actually, Harry Potter isn't kind of great for teachers per se either. Um, so I suppose what, what we look at really, and the same goes for Phil, is that these kind of um, cultural icons that we hold to in society and we hold up and we esteem, um, actually... Uh, teaching pretty much sort of throughout these these works of literature, these works of film, uh, teaching gets a pretty bad rap. 
Um, and it's kind of calling that out and, and recognizing it for what it is. So I don't know if there are any budding authors out there looking to looking to create a positive image of teaching in the 21st century. Uh, go for it, I think. No, certainly that rhetoric as well. It's, it's funny you mention that because a lot of the, if you think about even in, in movies, it's mm. a lot of the kind of protagonists are successful despite yes the teach the yeah, teaching exactly um, which kind of contributes to all that whereas our students are kind of comes across in the attitude of our students you know they want they'll succeed despite what goes on in your classroom so I find that chapter so fascinating because it's so true if you look to try and think back I mean when I thought about I read that I thought about Coach Carter but he's not a teacher he's just a coach you know yeah. and you yeah. kind of go through different ideas like that and it's yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, a couple of people mentioned School of Rock, and you've kind of got that charismatic Jack Black character in School of Rock. But actually, even there, is that really a sort of a teacher that any of us would kind of recognise? Or in a way, it's kind of that maverick teacher, which yeah, is kind of inspirational in one sense, but it's not kind of what what most of us know as teaching. Really, it's not your kind of archetypal teacher. Um, so no, as you say, it's it's difficult, really. <laughs> no, certainly. If uh, I don't think I don't think Jack Black's portrayal is. His, his teaching is really true to the form of what we'll see in many, many classrooms and, and, and staff rooms. <laughs> anyway, but moving on, we then go in, on to tackle the idea of money, which is such a fascinating topic and to, to go and uh, try and get to grips with. So can I ask you then, Harry, is money an issue in getting good people into teaching? Yeah, it's really, really interesting. This and and this is often what what people say first when you talk about why is teaching got an image problem. They say, "Oh, the money," um, and I think that that remains certainly a problem. I think it, actually it's interesting. I think now it's perhaps slightly more a problem of perception than it once was. In that actually we we kind of do a bit of number crunching in the book and and teachers starting salaries actually now are comparable to to a lot of other sort of uh, graduate level entry level jobs. So actually, kind of when you're entering the profession uh, as as a as a graduate or uh, en- entering the profession, you can expect a salary similar to that that you could expect in other similar jobs. The problem, I think, comes higher up the pay scale, where undoubtedly there's been sort of wage stagnation and and the progress that we've seen lower down the pay scale hasn't been reflected higher up. And I think definitely there's there's work still to be to be done there. I, I don't think anyone would would doubt that. But but equally, this kind of issue of of, of the perception of, of teachers' pay is, is a big thing. And most people uh, kind of think teachers are poorly paid. Uh, therefore, if you want to make money, you don't become a teacher. Now, it's a difficult one, isn't it, this? Because we don't want people to come into teaching because they want to get rich. And I mean, obviously, that's not going to happen. But we don't want that to be a motivation either. But equally, I mean, if you kind of, you pay for what you get, really, don't you? If you, 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 you value um, certain things by paying them a certain uh, certain amount. And as a society, do we pay teaching enough? Uh, I think probably most people would say not, actually. Um, so pay is, is certainly a big issue, both the reality of it and also the perception. Um, and there's, I mean, as teachers, obviously, there's only so much we can do about that. That that has to come from from government ultimately. Um, but but certainly, I think if we want to to start to attract more people into the profession, we need to be talking both about progress that has been made on teachers' pay, but also saying, well, actually, do we pay teachers enough? Uh, and that is a conversation that I think um, I think needs to be had. Uh, the slight problem, of course, is that just sitting here as teachers and demanding more money uh, is never a never a good look really um and uh, and it, it kind of it can't just be us sort of shouting for more money as i say but i think nonetheless it, it is certainly an issue yeah no certainly it certainly is but it's interesting in the book because you compared it to other graduate schemes and when you advertise it if you think about and you mentioned that teaching starter salary is somewhere around thirty thousand, but you also add on to that 12 weeks of holiday Compare it to other graduate schemes that start the same and you only get 28 days of holiday. I mean, holidays are something that a lot of people in my social circle, they envy Completely. The, the holidays. Um, and it, but it's something that we almost, dare I say, can I shy away from? You know, can I get the jokes, are you on holiday again? But well, no, I've just had, I've just had eight weeks of solid work and I've got a long weekend. You know, it's, it's, but, um, we shouldn't shy away from it because it's such a positive aspect of our teaching, especially for those with families. I mean, we have a lot of, um, a lot of career changers come into teaching and they cite the family and the time with family. So that's another positive. You can teach and then you've got all this time with, 
with your children and your friends and family. Yeah, I completely, yeah, completely agree with that, Darren. And I mean, as you say, it's something as teachers, we're often a little bit sort of ashamed, ashamed about, aren't we, when we say, oh yeah, we're on holiday again. But actually, I mean, we should be shouting about it. Well, as firstly, as teachers, we know that we need holidays. Uh, a six-week term is blooming hard work. Uh, and by the end of it, uh, we are knackered, and the kids, more to the point, are knackered as well. And actually, we need we need that break from each other's company. We need that break just to allow our brains to sort of slowly recover. Um, so that's the first point. But then second, okay, fine, yeah, we have a lot of holiday. Uh, to, to people then who aren't teachers who complain about that, well, if the holiday's so good, why don't you become a teacher? I mean, join us. Um, as you say, particularly uh, family life, think about all that sort of stuff. Um, teaching, I mean, what better profession really is there than teaching? And of course, the other thing to, to add on to that, uh, Darren, is, is the pension as well, which compared to a lot of professions is, is pretty generous. Um, so and he, as, as you say, if you add those things up and you put them together as a kind of a graduate package, suddenly it's not looking too shabby. Um, so again, it's kind of shifting perceptions in that actually the, the reality isn't necessarily quite as bad uh, as sort of the popular conception has it. No, certainly. It's just an interesting, when I read that, it's like it was so fascinating um, just looking at it in, in black and white and seeing, oh, that, it really is actually, as a, as a graduate profession, it really is fantastic. But you're right what you said earlier, it's as you go further up the, the pay scale, maybe there is a little bit of a disconnect there, but... Um, I don't think it's, it's said, I mean, up in, up in Scotland, we get paid differently to you do in, in England. And we just a couple of years ago got a 10% pay rise, which took us up well over 40,000 pounds now to be a, a classroom teacher, which is, if you've got, which is a fantastic salary to have in a, in a secure job. Um, and you mentioned the pension, so lots, lots to it. Um, we could go, go talk about that for a little bit longer, but let's kind of go back to again, kind of, things that contribute to this this image problem. And and what I find interesting is that everyone's been to school. So why is the fact that we've all been to school contribute to this image problem that we have? Yeah, there's a few things here, really. And and as you say, the fact that everyone has been to school is one of the, the few things that nearly everyone has in common. Um, and I think the first, first point is that a lot of people... Uh, who, who went to school, clearly went to school either in the last century or even, to be honest, in, in the first decade of this century when schools were vastly different, actually, to how they are now. Um, and having been to school in the 70s, 60s or 70s or 80s, you would have come away with a completely different experience of school to to what the kids in uh, modern 21st century schools are coming away with. Um, and that's the first thing, that actually... A lot of people, and it's got to be said as well, these are often people who kind of drive the public narrative, people in the media, people in politics, uh, people in these positions with a voice. They, Their idea of school is well out of date because, for, understandably, I'm not going to blame them, they haven't been back to school themselves uh, for for decades and they aren't therefore aware of the shift, the massive shift that has taken place in schools uh, in the intervening period. So that's the first problem, I think, really, just a lot of people's idea of school is just out of date. Uh, they just don't know kind of what modern schools are like. The second thing, of course, is that um, because everyone has been to school, everyone kind of thinks they've, they've got teaching sussed. They, they kind of think they know what teaching's all about because they've seen a teacher, they've been in a classroom themselves, right, that's teaching done. Uh, I know what teaching is. I want to move on and do something more exciting uh, with my life, something I don't know anything about. And that's difficult as teachers, actually. That's a difficult one for us because obviously we want to be encouraging kids to think big. We want to be encouraging them to think outside the box and all of this sort of stuff. But actually, I think we often have, we, we often underplay actually our own profession and we should be prouder of saying you should, thinking outside the box is becoming a teacher because actually you only see a fraction uh, when you're in the classroom of what teaching is all about. Um, and actually, uh, becoming a teacher is a fantastic profession. So that's the other thing that people kind of think uh, think they've got it sussed. And I suppose the final thing as well is that a lot of people just didn't enjoy their time at school. And that um, that is, is a real barrier. Uh, because I, I was lucky. I really enjoyed my time at school. I had lots of really good teachers. I had, had good friends. I, 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 as I say, I always felt happy at school. Um, but clearly, with a lot of people, that isn't the case. And that is always going to be a barrier to getting people to join the profession. Um, so that that's kind of that's it, it's a big issue that really that that we've all been to school. 
Um, and there's not, in some ways, there's stuff we can do, but in other respects, actually, it's always going to be a problem there. No, certainly, it's it's the, everyone's got a story about this teacher or, or that teacher yeah. is part of their schooling. And as you say, some people, you know, have had negative experiences in school and, and they carry that around with them. And again, think people talking about, I, I, sorry, the exam results time, you always get the yearly Jeremy Clarkson yes. um, comments yeah. where he is very successful. Mm. You could argue despite his schooling, but the school, as you, as you rightly point out, the school he went to is vastly different to the school that the young people go to today. And I think that's important to, to highlight their job as a job of a teacher and what we do is a little bit different and, and how we do it. And if we create that safe, nurturing environment and, and have with high expectations of our students and help them reach those high expectations, then hopefully we can spin that narrative around where more students are leaving school with positive kind of experiences and so on. And they're the ones that share it because it seems to be the ones that had the poor experiences that shout the loudest or Kind of that, so that probably that negative bias we have in our mind, it, it's interesting. I'm going to come to that um, a little bit later on when we discuss how we change that that image. And before we close this 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 kind of discussion on on this negative Im- image of teaching, can I ask you, Harry, what about how we're portrayed in the media and our newspapers and news channels? How does that contribute to our image? Yeah, again, this is a big one, really. Um, that when you think about it, there are very few sort of positive stories about schools or about teachers in the media, kind of full stop. Um, There's a sort of brief hiatus in August when you have results season, um, GCSE A-level results, when you kind of have the feel-good stories. But apart from those couple of weeks in the year, uh, if there's going to be a story about education, it's nearly always negative. Um, And and again, what if... If you don't yourself have anything to do with a school, if you, your kids are grown up, you don't have kids or, uh, or whatever, or you're, um, you're just in no way in, uh, sort of got any relationship with the school, all the information you're getting about schools and education is therefore from the media. So you're being fed this constant kind of negative narrative about teachers and about schools, uh, and that's it. And again, that dominates the airwaves when actually we as teachers know there's a heck of a lot of great stuff going on in schools uh, every day across the country, um, but it just never makes the news. And I suppose that, that that's just a slight sort of um, function of the fact that the media tends to focus on more negative stories, and that, that's kind of a much bigger issue itself. But nonetheless, it's one that really doesn't help teaching. Um, no, it's, yeah. it certainly does. If you think about the most recent headlines that we've had in, in Scotland, have been about teachers that are getting struck off for this, that and the other which definitely contributes to a, a negative image in, in teaching. I mean, if, as you said, people without children or people with children who are quite young and they're reading the newspaper and they're just reading about another teacher that's been struck off, it really gives that negative image. Whereas if they flick a few pages on, they'll see the great work that schools do in, in fundraising and exam results and helping students um, do various, various things. I mean, if I think back to my local newspaper, there's always an article about the, this student doing this fundraiser, this student doing this in school, this student's piece of artwork, this student's bit of music. And that's the things that we need to, to celebrate and, and kind of put into the media. It might not make the 10 o'clock news, but if we can get it into local newspapers and local news feeds, then, then that kind of image goes on. So we're going to spin this a little bit around. We've kind of explored a little bit. Um, in detail around what contributes to that negative image of teaching from the literature canon and, and Dickens, who are, is now no longer a friend of teachers, <laughs> from a little, little dabble into the idea of money and, and the fact that we've all been to school um, and how we're portrayed in media. So can I, can I start this off bit by asking you, Harry, how has the explosion of awareness of, of cognitive science advanced the profession? Right, yeah, this is this is massive. I think I think it it really is huge. In the last sort of I don't know decade, couple of decades, the the work that's been done on neuroscience, on cognitive science, um, I think. Well, few things. Firstly, I think it's just improved us as teachers. I think actually we are as a profession better as a result of some of the great work that, that Willingham and, and people like Willingham have, have done. Um, secondly, I think it's also improved actually how we sort of conceive of ourselves as a profession. I think we think of ourselves more 
as a profession, actually, uh, than we did before. We are more professional as teachers and we kind of think of ourselves now as a body of skilled practitioners. And I'm not saying, uh, I'm, of course, I'm not saying that, that no teachers were skilled before this um, or no teachers were professional before this. But I think as a kind of an overall uh, career, as a profession, we have been enriched and we have kind of thought of ourselves and we've started to think of ourselves more highly as a result of some of the work being done in, in cognitive science. And then finally, and I think this is perhaps the most important point, that, that cognitive science kind of gives us the option to, to or gives us a route to helping others to think more positively of, of us as well. As I say, this, this big thing about skills and us being a skilled profession, like medicine, like law, like architecture, like engineering, all these other comparable professions, which actually in society have a higher status than teaching, well, we as teachers are now able to say, no, we take professional development seriously. We have a, a set of skills that we have to learn, we have to hone. And by the way, we do that throughout our careers. Um, and kind of cognitive science has given us the tools and given us given us kind of a platform which we can use to kind of shout about our profession uh, in a more professional light. So I think that is the real kind of potential, and that's the real power for us of, of cognitive science. No, certainly, it's it's to see groups, vast groups of teachers on a Saturday going to a conference to hear from academics, and also that gap that's beginning to close between the academics that research learning and thinking and cognitive science and teachers closing that gap. I think that I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's, it's kind of helping us become this body of skilled professionals that think deeply about what we do, you know, and we have our, we have our literature and our evidence, just like, as you said, they, they do in medicine and they do in law and they do in architecture and we're starting to hone our craft. It was a great point you made there about how we hone our craft throughout our careers because teaching is so inherently complex. And I think that's something else that we can, can explore, that teaching is so complex. You know, there's not many other professions that where you sit down with 30 young minds that are going through puberty and all sorts of hormones and we're trying to kind of help them learn the content and the ways of the world. And we do it again an hour later with another group. So it is such a, a skilled job and it's important that we recognise that. So following on from this idea of, of cognitive science, really advancing the profession, what what other positives are there to being a teacher? Yeah, well, I think a massive one uh, clearly is kind of the social role of, of being a teacher. And actually the role we play in in changing and shaping young people's lives and that is is hugely powerful as, as a concept, as an idea, um, and it, it's a real incentive. I know for, for for me and for most of my colleagues that 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 idea that we are there and we uh, we we are the kind of as I say, shaping the lives of young people. We are in many ways the only option, the only route that they have to that education. When they're eighteen, they leave. Most of them won't won't go back. Um, so we are kind of the, the guardians of, of the knowledge, the guardians of that entry into kind of adult life. Um, and that's an immensely powerful and kind of awe-inspiring, really in the literal sense, uh, responsibility that we have. And actually, it probably pays not too much, not to think about it too much, actually, because it, it, it could get a bit overwhelming. But it, it is a real kind of um, a privilege as well, actually, the, the, the responsibility we have. So that kind of social aspect of teaching as well, offering kind of opportunities to kids who otherwise would go without, uh, is, a, is a massive positive. Also, I think, actually, and kind of alongside that, is the sort of the personal, the, the kind of the intellectual sort of satisfaction of being a teacher. As you say, um, Darren, I mean, teaching is, blimey, it's hard work. It, it's a skilled job. And there's so many things kind of going on. Obviously, you've got behaviour management. You've got um, uh, kind of the academic side as well. You've got all the pastoral stuff. There's so much to juggle that it really keeps you on your toes. And, and kind of intellectually as an academic pursuit, whether you're teaching uh, bottom set year seven maths or whether you're teaching year 13 uh, who are about to go off to university, both of those have their own academic intellectual challenges um, that, that keep us on our toes. And I, for one, sort of find, find fulfilling and find satisfying. I mean, people, again, people who don't teach might kind of think, well, how could you teach primary maths and find that intellectually challenging? Or how could you teach, I don't know, bottom set year nine science and find that intellectually challenging? Well, all I'd say is try going into a year two class and explaining basic addition, uh, and 
it's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, equally, going and teaching uh, year 13, and obviously we've got exams coming up, preparing them for their exams. It keeps me on my toes. I know if I haven't prepared well enough for that lesson, they will find me out. Um, so I, I've got to be on the ball as well. So as a, kind of alongside the more sort of social aspect of teaching, equally, there is this kind of academic uh, satisfaction to be got from the job as well, which I think a lot of non-teachers don't really get because they haven't done it. Um, but those two, those two kind of sides of the job go hand in hand as far as I'm concerned. And again, should really play a big role in attracting lots of different sorts of people in, into teaching. Well, certainly it's interesting that, that kind of talk about academic satisfaction, you know, when you're teaching things, you, you really know things and, and the, how you have to really think kind of going back to kind of how highly skilled we are thinking deeply about how you break a topic down to a bottom set, to student that just doesn't get it. How you break that down is a really satisfying process when it finally happens. I don't think anyone can really understand the, the, you just see it, you know, when a child goes up and they go like this, they, they finally get something. Like you don't get that in a lot, a lot of jobs when you, and I love, um, how you mentioned this, this kind of awe-inspiring responsibility of shaping young minds. It really is. You know, it really makes you get up in the morning and uh, kind of a lot of people, you see a lot of things on social media talking about find your why and Kaizen and all this kind of stuff. Is, is there anything more meaningful in the world than getting up and, and really helping young people kind of enter the world? So it, it was brilliant that you, that you mentioned that and, and how we offer opportunities to kids who, who may otherwise not have that opportunity. Yeah. And as you said, I think that's particularly relevant now, actually, just, just quickly that in kind of in the context of COVID and people, people questioning their jobs a lot more and saying, well, what is the point really of my job? And as teachers, the kind of the point of our job is never going to run out. It's, it's never going to go. We are always going to be valuable and there is always going to be an inherent value and meaning in what we do. Um, and that is, again, is something we should, we should kind of be aware of ourselves and then tell other people about. Because as you say, loads of jobs don't have that. No, certainly. And, and you, you like to think that after our lockdown experiences with many families having to teach their own children, they probably recognize just how hard it is to, to engage the children. You can see all reports of, People, you know, tearing their hair out because they couldn't get their son or daughter to sit down for an hour to do some schoolwork. And you're like, well, you know, welcome to our world. This is what, this is, this is what we do. So we want some high praise indeed because we managed to do it for six hours a day. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely so many, so many things that we can, we can um, hone in on to, to celebrate and, and share our profession that really I mean, we're sitting here at eight o'clock at night on a Monday after a busy day talking about it. And that's just how, how it can really fill you with, with joy and, and energy. So I, I want to ask you, Harry, how do we go about changing the image of teaching? What do we need to do? Well, yeah, I mean, and again, massive question, really, that. I think there's, there's clearly, there are things for government to do, uh, and there are things for the policymakers to do. Uh, but I think, kind of for us as teachers, actually, there are things that we ourselves can do as well. One of the, the big ones, I think, is opening our schools up more to the local community. Now, obviously, that hasn't been possible uh, during lockdown, but we're, we're, we're coming through that. And and obviously, with again, safeguarding concerns are, are always there and obviously need to be respected and, 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 and adhered to. But actually, the more we can do to open our schools up to the local community, to local businesses, uh, to parents, obviously, of course, but actually just to wider society, the more people will get an actual sense of what teaching uh, is like, what 21st century teaching, what 21st century schools are like. Um, and I mean, I'm sure again, Darren, you've, you've had an experience like this where someone's come into school and gone, uh, wow, uh, I didn't realise this is what schools are like now, or wow, I didn't realise this is what you do every day. And actually opening people's eyes in that way through, through as I say, through partnerships with business, I think is a, is a big way uh, forward for, for schools. And, and something else we kind of talk about in the book really is that if you think there aren't many kind of institutions left in the country which are as ubiquitous as schools. Most, lots of post offices have shut down. Uh, a lot of churches are kind of there, but obviously uh, lots of people aren't believers. You've got um, uh, the, obviously the butcher, the baker, they've all gone. Um, but what is still there, uh, particularly in villages, the primary school. What is there in every single town? Uh, a secondary school. Um, and actually, throughout the country, 
I don't think there are many more buildings or many more institutions more present than schools and teachers. We kind of need to be there. We need to be recognising our role within the community and within society more broadly and kind of using that to our advantage. So I think that's something that we kind of as teachers, we in schools can be doing, um, can be doing uh, sort of pretty much now, actually. Um, so th- there's, there's a kind of starter for 10 uh, for you. Um, I think uh, m- more broadly than that, um, one thing as well we talk about in the book is this idea of an image and the image, uh, sort of a, a, a brand rather, sorry, a brand for, for teaching. Because if you think of the NHS, the NHS has got this, this uh, obviously the NHS logo, it's got a very clear branding. When if you think of teaching, actually there isn't really a branding, there isn't a kind of a logo for teaching. And schools are very good at, at branding themselves, obviously uh, you see sort of the letterheads and the school uniform and all that sort of stuff, the sign outside the gates. Um, but actually as a profession, we don't really have a, a brand. And it's something I think certainly that's worth considering that actually if if we had a, had more of a brand, more of a kind of recognisable mark, the teaching profession, would that give us greater status? Um, and, and equally, when you kind of enter the profession, you either enter as a teach first teacher or as a skit teacher or through the university provider. You kind of aren't entering as a teacher into the profession. You're entering through one of these routes and they kind of feel separate, really, those different routes. So that is something, again, that we could consider in sort of introducing a greater sort of concept of, of teaching as a profession uh, and giving it a brand to, to match. I mean, I can't claim I'm a particular branding expert, uh, so I'm not sure I'd, I'd like to be in, char- in charge of the design, but, no, but it's an idea. I totally totally understand that. I think going back to the first part, I think that there's definitely scope for us to to open our doors and let people in to see see um, what schools are what schools are really like and what happens in day to day teaching and to see the magic of a classroom. You know, you see some schools that always talk about the visitors that came and the positive things, but those visitors tend to be other teachers. <laughs> um, so how can we get other people in to really see what goes on in them to be wowed by, you know, a teacher holding the attention of 30 young people and these young people eating out the palm of the teacher's hand with the questions and the, the, rig- the academic rigour of a classroom would be great to share. But I find that so fascinating, this idea of a brand for teaching. You know, and, and I think we've, we've kind of tried, we've stumbled a little bit apart in trying to do that with, you know, chartered status for teachers. In Scotland, we used to have the chartered teacher scheme, which is no longer there. And, you know, you have the, um, what do you call it? Um, the chartered college of, of teaching in, in, uh, in England. It's, it's interesting. We kind of, we, we try and do these things, but they never really take hold. And I do wonder why that is because, you know, it's, you see, I've got, I've got friends who are accountant who are absolutely ecstatic to get their chartered status and they study so, so hard to get that. And it gets that. And the same with, you know, doctors are so proud of putting on their NHS badge and so on. How do we get that in teaching? So if there is anyone that is a branding expert, we definitely love to, to hear that. And it's, it's something that teaching as a profession is that we help each other out out each other so much you know you just need to go onto social media and see a, a teacher ask for help and something and then the hundreds of replies that go on that we're such a generous bunch and we're all ready together but it does feel disjointed because you're writing what you're what you say there so that's such a fascinating idea um so kind of moving on from that how, how do we then get teachers to share the bright spots of teaching, not to just to each other. You know, we do, we're, we do that in the staff room. We're good at going at the staff room and having a wee moan and then having, oh, this was brilliant. We'll try this. But how do we share those bright spots so the public, the general public can find out about what we do? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting that actually, Dan, because as you say, we're very good at talking to each other. And that is something that social media has helped. And I think that's great, actually, that the fact that we are talking to each other more, uh, is good. But, we are much less good at talking to the outside world, at talking to non-teachers. And again, that is something I've found kind of since we've published the book, really, and and when we were writing it, that there's generally less interest among teachers, frankly, in talking to non-teachers. And you can see kind of from a practical perspective that that kind of makes sense, that we can learn from non-teachers, and uh, sorry, from teachers, and, and they can actually benefit us in our daily practice. But actually, if we want to improve the profession, we need to be more outward looking. Um, and I think that means uh, having more teachers in the media. I think it means teachers writing pieces for non-teachers 
So writing things that are addressed to a non-teacher audience who won't understand the jargon, who won't understand uh, the reality of the modern classroom, and actually just facing outwards more. Uh, whether that's using social media, whether it's using the the, the traditional the the, the press, um, whether it's it's um, being on sort of panel shows, whatever. I think we just need to get teachers into positions where they are addressing the general public more. And again, it kind of, I suppose, in many ways, the most topical example of this at the moment for medicine is that um, Adam Kay thing, this is going to hurt. Um, and I'm not going to say we, we need uh, an exact equivalent of that for teaching. But that's, that's the sort of thing where you've got there a doctor talking to non-doctors. Um, and as, as teachers, we need to do a better job uh, kind of looking, broadening our horizons and looking outside the box that is that is teaching. No, no, certainly. I imagine if I, if we end up in a, somebody playing you as a teacher, I would love him. Um, I would love what you call. I'd love Martin Compton to play me as a teacher. <laughs> play, play my role. But that, you're, you're totally right, Kevin. This idea, and it's interesting you mentioned about having teachers in in the media and going out. I mean, why can't we have a teacher on the panel? If you even think about. Um, What's that program that David Dimbleby used to present? But question, it's, question time. Question time. Yeah. If you had that, you often have doctors or um, lawyers on there. Why can't you have a teacher as part of that panel exactly. sharing sharing their thoughts? Because many teachers, like we said earlier, many teachers do do things other than teaching as well. They use, I mean, we're sitting on a podcast <laughs> on a Monday evening and, and other teachers do do different things. So why can't they kind of in, in show, showcase the profession, their insights and thinking? And I think... Um, you know, if you think about the intellects in the profession, Daisy Christodoulos has done a great, done a lot of work and, and she's been on the university challenge, you know, really, really, really intelligent and, and sharing that. We can get someone, someone like that or, or kind of someone who's a little bit different from that, a little bit more quirky to go out and share the profession because we are a diverse bunch. Teachers were, were, were so diverse, you know, um, you just need to look at a staff room. You've got young, you've got old, you've got, um, kind of energetic, you've got those that are a little bit less energetic, but they still command the room, you know, it's such an interesting profession because of it's, it's amazing to see everyone in a staff room because you then know that for the next six hours they're going to go and perform for and for 50 minutes at a time, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And I think that there is an appetite, actually, to hear more from teachers. We, we talk in the book about the, the educating series, you know, educating Essex, educating Yorkshire, all of those that were on a while ago. Um, and they, they went down a storm, really. Um, and it's that kind of, that, the fly on the wall kind of, as I say, opening, opening up schools, schools looking outwards to the outside world. Um, obviously, there are certain ways in which schools were presented in those which weren't ideal, but nonetheless, they were kind of breaking barriers and they were teaching out consciously, facing outwards to the rest of the world. Uh, and that's the spirit I think we need to, we need to take forward. No, certainly there are so many positives to take away from the education series. I think, um, what was the name of the young, young child that, um, had the stammer, but now yes. he spoke, yeah. I think the whole nation, kind of fell behind him and, and you could feel the raw emotion of that. And I think that's the, maybe the things in teaching that we need to, we need to share, you know, the stories that you hear of young people who struggle to read, but then can read through perseverance and resilience and, um, go on to achieve things that they never thought that they could. Um, those sort of stories, people just love that sort of stories and we need to be better at sharing, sharing them. But yeah, getting in that, I think it would, People love this fly in the wall idea, you know, how, how much we, we dive into programs like Big Brother and Love Island. And I mean, it's amazing that Gogglebox, we we're watching people watch TV, you know, it's, it's amazing. Whereas if people could see what classrooms are really like these days and, and what they do, they we're doing in the conversations that go on, the really rich, um, academic conversations that happen in classrooms, the amazing questions that young people ask and the and the answer and the responses that the teachers can I give them and so on. If we could just capture some of that and share some of that magic. I mean I watch so many lessons in my role and, and I'm taken aback by some of the absolute brilliance of the young people and the teachers. So how can we not share that with the wider world? So can I going to close off this interview section in a couple of moments, Harry, but one phrase that I, that I really don't like is that, and I hear it all the time is this, I'm just a teacher. Oh, but, but I'm, I'm just a teacher, but, um, 
Can I ask you for advice here? What should we stay instead? What should we say instead? Yeah, it's it's difficult, this, isn't it? Because yeah, I, I I completely agree. It is. It's definitely a phrase that that you hear used a lot. Um, and I mean, it sounds a bit corny if you go, "I'm a teacher and proud," uh, or if you go, uh, "I'm kind of I'm uh, I'm a teacher, kind of and what?" But 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 actually, I think we should just say, "I'm a teacher." Um, and and I love it, or I'm a teacher, and actually, or it's the best job in the world, or I'm, I've got the best job in the world, I'm a teacher. Um, and this doesn't mean kind of being completely, uh, completely sort of uh, ignoring all the hard bits of the job, because clearly every job has, has bad days, every job has things that, that we don't, that, that you don't like doing it. But actually, uh, we should we should be proud of saying, I'm a teacher, and actually, that's a great job. I'm really important for society. I'm really important for the kids I interact with every single day, uh, and their parents, by the way. Um, and and actually, that is that is good enough. Um, so I think it's it's saying I'm a teacher, but it's saying it with a kind of a defiance, if you like, uh, actually, Darren, and saying I'm a teacher, uh, and it's great. Um, so and and actually, that that leads into a broader point. And I think obviously a lot of teachers listen to your podcast, and I think that is something that that we ourselves can affect from today. Um, the way we talk about our profession to other people, because we we all, as I say, we all have hard days. Uh, we all have days where lessons go badly, where kids do uh, unpredictable things. Let's put it that way. Um, but nonetheless, that that shouldn't detract from the enthusiasm, the positivity with which we we talk about our job. Um, because uh, as we talked about over the last the last uh, few minutes, uh, Darren, it is a great great job. Um, and if we have that uh, at our heart, uh, if we kind of have that at the centre, at the forefront of our minds when we're talking about our profession. That itself will go a long way, I think, to improving how others think about teaching because we are its biggest advocates. We have the potential to be its biggest advocates, its biggest salespeople. And if we talk about it positively, uh, well, that will spread. No, certainly. Certainly, Will. And it's what you said earlier, you know, when young people are getting to the end of their school time, we should proudly say, you should become a teacher. You'd be fantastic at it. And can I really encourage them rather than dissuade them from it, which I hope doesn't happen, but it, prob- it probably does. But um, thank you, Harry. We've kind of had a great exploration of your book. I, I loved reading it because it really challenged some of my thinking and, and how I talk about it. I mean, I think I think I, I kind of show through this podcast just how much I love teaching and, and, and what we do and try and celebrate that as much as possible. But as always, we could do more to... Um, build that brand, as you say, in, in the teaching profession. So before we move on to my quickfire round, Harry, the questions I ask every guest, can you share with the listeners a couple of things? Where they should go and buy the book? And of course, where can they contact you on social media and the like? Yeah, so the, the book is uh, available in all good bookshops, I think is, is the phrase, uh, Darren. So it's available at Blackwell's, uh, on Waterstones, and indeed also on Amazon as well. Um, and then I, I can be contacted at HarryHudson21 um, on, on Twitter. Uh, you'll be very interested to hear people's thoughts about, about this issue kind of generally uh, and about the book if, if people, when and if people have read the book. I'd be interested to hear their thoughts about that as well because... I suppose this is the final point really about the book is that we intend it to start a conversation and actually we've been delighted, really delighted with the response since publication and that we certainly have started a conversation. It got mentioned uh, in one of the leading comment pieces in the Times uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, it's been, we've been on LBC to talk about it. We've been on Times Radio. Um, it's been mentioned in a number of places. And that, that is so important, I think, just to get this, this conversation started. We don't claim to have all the answers. We don't claim to have everything nailed down. But actually, if we start talking about this, now is the moment when we can finally change the image of teaching. Certainly, use what's happened over the last couple of years to really exactly. motivate us to to change that image of teaching so that it's the news and the the, the literature. Like you said, way back at the start, if, if anyone's out there writing a, a piece of literature, could if include a teacher that's just fantastic. Perhaps model it on, on either yourself or myself. That would be, 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 be fantastic. So thank you so much for that. And um, we're not going to go into my quick fire round. Um, some people aren't very quick. Um, okay. Some people, some people are. So please you be you. Yeah. Uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing your responses if you're ready for the questions. Right. Let's go for it. Um, so Harry, what are you reading currently? 
Well, I've just finished a book called Devil Lands by uh, Claire Jackson, which is about uh, 17th century England, sort of the Restoration, Civil War, Charles I, all that sort of stuff, uh, which was excellent. I thoroughly recommend that. And I've just started a book called uh, The War of Nerves, uh, which is by Martin Sixsmith. Uh, and it's sort of looking at the Cold War uh, through a sort of psychologist's lens, um, which so far been very interesting. So um, that's that's what I'm on at the moment. That sounds incredibly fascinating. I'm a bit, I'm a big I'm a bit of a history buff in my in my spare time, so I, I think I might look into some of them. I find that incredibly fascinating. So my second question to you, Harry, is: What is your current professional development focus? Well, I've um, relatively recently picked up a t- uh, sort of public speaking and debating TLR. So that's my big my big thing at the moment, really thinking about how we can improve public speaking oracy across the school. Um, so that, that's, as I say, that's what I'm spending quite a lot of time thinking about at the moment. We've got a, a sixth form um, public speaking competition coming up this week, actually. So, so yeah, that's um, I've got my fingers crossed that the kids uh, produce the goods on Thursday for that one. <laughs> that's right. I'm sure. I'm sure they will, and I'm sure they're very well prepared from that. Um, I I used to attend a, a thing called Toastmasters that you get around oh, yeah. the world to help my public speaking. I, I really, really, really enjoyed that. I still stumble quite a bit when I'm talking but it really helped me helped me narrow it the feedback you got was amazing the support so highly recommend that to any of the any of the your students that kind of want to go on and, and improve their public speaking so to close off my last question to you harry i'm really excited to hear your answer to this <laughs> is um what do you love most about being a teacher well i think for me it's the the feeling you have when a lesson goes really well I think you can't beat that feeling when you have a group of kids who leave a lesson enthused about your subject. I mean, that is just, that is an awe-inspiring feeling. It's a phrase I used earlier uh, in the podcast, but it really is. And I don't know how you beat that feeling when you've got, uh, perhaps if not all 30, but you've got a good majority of the kids in the room leaving happy, uh, enthused, wanting to learn more. I mean, uh, look, don't get me wrong. It doesn't happen every lesson. But, but when it does, blimey, that it's, it, yeah, you can't beat that feeling. You really can't. No, I certainly echo that. I mean, one of my students told me the other day that my maths lesson was one of his favourite lessons. And then another one who I didn't expect it walked out and went, do you know what, sir? Maths is all right. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just love that. Yeah. Take that away. So thank you so much for, for sharing that insight. Insight. I, I totally agree, agree with you that that feeling is, is magical. So that brings us to the end of this discussion Harry I would like to take this opportunity to thank you so so much for publishing an excellent book that really will hopefully kickstart a, a wonderful discussion and debate over the coming years into our profession and how we portray ourselves but also for giving up your time on a Monday evening straight after a busy day at work to, to speak with me for the podcast Thank you very much, uh, Darren. Thanks for having me. And um, I think kind of, as you say, the more people like you are doing this sort of stuff and getting out, getting out teachers' voices, the better, really. So thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Becoming Educated. Before you go, can I ask for a few things that will only take a minute? I'd love it if you could review the podcast wherever you are listening from to get each episode into more ears. If you want to support the podcast, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash DN Leslie. And finally, to keep the conversation going, please use the hashtag becomingeducated and tag me on Twitter at DN Leslie. I'll be back soon with more insights and knowledge from the greatest profession on earth.